This is Gospel Tide Hour program number 17 for airing April 24, 1994. The program will begin immediately after the countdown. Three, two, one. of God. You will hear music by Sandra Wingert who will be singing How Excellent is Thy Name. Ralph Sider will close the program by singing I Am Not Skilled to Understand. But first you'll hear the choir with two songs, Immortal, Invisible, and Glorify Thy Name in All the Earth. the 15th through the 17th, a Happy Life Conference 
was held in Katakarissa. This was a conference for seekers who had taken the Bible correspondence course that was offered on the Aurea broadcast. This broadcast brought together eight seekers. There were over 80 who indicated an interest in coming to this conference, but because of financial or other reasons were not able to come. All of them had good interest in the things of God. There were three boys who were interested in taking baptism, but they did not because they've had such opposition from their families. The speaker requests prayer for these young men and for the others, that the Lord will help all of them to grow in him, to follow him completely. We invite your prayers for this broadcast and the other broadcasts that the Gospel Tide Hour sends out that are touching the lives of people in many countries of our world. Now Reverend Byers is coming to pray. Join us in prayer, friends. O God, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, our Savior, creator of all things, who gives to all of mankind life and breath and all things. In him we live and move and have our being. We join in with all the holy and adoring host of heaven in blessing your worthy name. And we thank you, Lord, for the abundant mercy you've bestowed on us, bestowed on us, that we have the privilege to be called the sons of God. We thank you for the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your word assures us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We glorify your matchless name. Blessed Holy Spirit, make the way of salvation plain and simple and easy to every soul that yearns to know God and longs to be saved. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke all the forces of evil which hold people in the prison house of sin. Set the captives free. And come close now, Lord, manifestly close, feelingly close to every person in our audience who cries to the Lord for help, for deliverance, for salvation, or for some distress. And Lord, have compassion on all prisoners who've turned to Christ. Make a way, even if it seems that there is no way. And to every sick person in this audience who cries for your help in compassion and power, give wholeness. And save every person who offers a prayer for salvation. I ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in today to this broadcast of the Gospel Tide Hour. I'm Morris Bender, director for the Gospel Tide Hour, and I'd want to invite you to write to us. If you've been listening and you've been blessed by the broadcast, or if you have a question or if you have a prayer request, we encourage you to take time and write to us. We so much appreciate hearing from you. To those of you who can, we encourage you to send an offering for this mission outreach, which goes out to our world now in ten languages. The Lord has blessed, and people are responding to the gospel message, and we need many to stand with us in prayer and with their offerings. Our address is the Gospel Tide Hour, Post Office Box 151, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, 17201. Or in Canada, Post Office Box 2513, Station B, Richmond Hill, Ontario, L4E1A6. That's the Gospel Tide Hour, Post Office Box 151, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, 17201. Or in Canada, Post Office Box 2513, Station B, Richmond Hill, Ontario, L4E1A6.
features in today's message, A Mayor's Concept of God. Well, thank you, Reverend Bender. Ever since the dawn of creation, man has had a fuzzy concept of God as to who he is and as to how he's to be acknowledged and worshipped. From the time of the deceiver in the Garden of Eden to this very present minute, the darkened minds of men and women has conceived God on all levels from the sublime to the very ridiculous. It's a part of Satan's strategy to blind the most brilliant of minds. And Paul said, if our gospel be hid, now the gospel seems to be so plain, but on the other hand, if it be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world or the God of this age has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image, the expressed image of God, should shine into them. And the Apostle Paul describes how distorted, terribly distorted, the blinded mind can become when he writes to the brethren at Rome. He speaks to that point. This is what Paul said, Romans 1, verses 20 to 23. For the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Now, I want to read that portion again. The invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even by His eternal power and Godhead, so that men are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations. I'm breaking in on the scripture reading. I want to read that portion again. Became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and the birds and four-footed beast and creeping things, creeping things, a terribly ill-formed concept of the Almighty. These things are the expression of the blinded hearts of men who are groping for light in a world of blindness and darkness, spiritual darkness. That reminds me of my visit to the temple of a certain deity in Thailand a few years back. Around the temple court, a yard, around the temple was a courtyard. There was a large wall approximately five feet high, and atop that wall, around the entire courtyard, there were grotesque-looking figures spaced at regular intervals. Well, I assumed first that they were gods, and I mentioned that gods of a sort guarding the temple. But when I inquired, I was told, no, they are not gods, they are demons. Oh, I said, demons? Yes, but they're good demons. They're standing guard there on the wall to ward off the bad demons who might attack the temple and its worshipers. Now, it all was an expression of darkened hearts in their search to find God and to know God. 
well, we know it was a terribly erroneous concept of the almighty God of the universe. Now, in the rise and the conquest of Christianity, the Apostle Paul did not come across many persons who were godless. But I mean, I mean they, they were worshipers of God, a God. They were not godless. They just were worshiping the God of their own imagination. Now, this time in our lesson, we find the great Apostle Paul and his workers in the fabulous city of Ephesus. Now, the city of Ephesus were worshipers of the great goddess Diana, and the town clerk, or the mayor of the city, had just quelled a very boisterous riot. The riot was led by one Demetrius. Probably he was president of the Silversmiths' Union. And he was protesting the Christian movement led by Paul, which he said was taking over the city and was about to explode the myth of Diana and would ruin the trade for he and his men made little shrines of the goddess and of the temple. So the mayor addressed the people with a generally accepted understanding about Diana, about the temple, about God, and he talked to the people and said, this God is the God of public opinion. Now, he didn't use those words, but he said, everybody knows. Everybody understands. This is what the public thinks about it. It was a mayor's concept of God. Well, it's man's concept of God, the darkened concept. Well, now, with that background, I want to read to you what the King James Version says, the town clerk, modern versions say the mayor of the city, what the town clerk said to the people. His speech followed the commonly accepted concept of God of that time. So it's found in Acts, the 19th chapter, in verses 35 through 41. Now, the, the, the reading is lengthy, but it is intensely interesting. When the town clerk had quieted the people, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there among you who does not know that the city of Ephesus is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Let me interrupt there. Some versions say fell down from heaven. Therefore, these things cannot be denied. So you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. If you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of your temples nor blasphemers of your goddess, therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open. So let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called into question today for this uproar, there being no reason that we may give an account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Well, to say the least, my congratulations to that astute town clerk or that mayor. He certainly did a master job of quelling that riot. Now, he did it by a speech he made explaining to the people their concept of God to which they all agreed. It was the commonly accepted concept of God that the people had of Ephesus. It made it very clear. Now, he didn't use the word that God is the product of man's imagination, but he made that clear. God is the product of man's imagination. We imagine that 
She is God, and we imagine she fell down from heaven. So it's a product of man's imagination. The next thing, he appealed to public opinion. He said, everybody knows. God is accepted, He's, as we understand it. Everybody knows that Diana is God. The public believes it, and because the public believes it, it must be right. And so that seemed to satisfy the people. The town clerk quelled the riot by explaining to them what their concept of God is, and they agreed together. The town clerk was simply expressing what the people in general thought about God, and it well reflects what men of all time have thought about God in any period of history. The first man born to our parents, first parents, first man Cain, born outside of Eden, had his own thoughts about God, and so according to the imagination and understanding of his own heart, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground and made a sacrifice to God, which was rejected. It was his own idea, and he became very angry when his bloodless sacrifice was not accepted before the Lord. It was evident that Cain knew what the Lord required of him, but he refused and became very angry with his brother Abel, who did what was acceptable and right before the Lord. And then Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel. And the conflict between good and evil has been intense from that very day to this. When the wickedest man was great in the earth in the days before the flood, God provided an ark to save the people who believed the preaching of Noah about the coming judgment of God. There was no other way to be saved when the judgment of God would come but by the ark. Now eight persons believed and were spared. The rest drowned in the judgment of God against the unbelievers. It was get in the ark and be saved from the flood or perish in the flood. Now the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. God made that clear to Israel in the days of the prophet Isaiah. You remember that in the night of the death angel passing over the land of Egypt in the days of the Pharaohs, when Israel was a slave, or the, the nation was in slavery in Egypt, the death angel passed over, and the only way to be spared was to have blood on the doorposts and the lintels of the house in which the people dwelt. Otherwise, there would be a death there in the morning. But to apply the blood was to be spared. But you had to believe, you had to act, and you were saved. If rejected and neglected, it meant death. Now, our God's a living God. He's the God of creation. He's alive forevermore. He's not willing that any should perish, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and live because all are included in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Now, the mayor's concept of God was based very much on the God of public opinion. Diana had to be right because Asia and all the world worships her. Worships her. They were guardians of the temple. The God of public opinion has always been a popular God to people. It is so forceful. Everybody believes it. Everybody does it. That makes it the accepted norm, and it rests with the majority opinion. It's a subtle deception, and the public forms one's theology and becomes one's conscience rather than what the word of the Lord has to say 
and it makes situation ethics acceptable and new age religion and philosophy palatable. Well, you can see, said the mayor, the great temple, here it is. Everybody sees it, everybody knows it. Now, in contrast, the Apostle Peter said that we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the way of salvation. But we were eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, his earthly ministry. And we know it. We met him. We talked with him. And the Apostle John goes further than that and says, That which was from the beginning, John said, We have heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked on our looked upon with our eyes, our hands have handled him with the word of life. The word of life is alive and powerful and active forevermore. But the people of Ephesus were content with a dead, impotent God that could do nothing for them. Now, our God is alive. He is active. He can transform your life. He can be active in your life and make you new. Now, I perceive there's some person in this audience who desperately yearns for a new life. You can get out of your prison house to sin. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess your need of him and believe in him, you can get out of your prison house of sin. I want you to do that. I want you to receive the gift of God. I want you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ while I pray. Lord, that individual that wants to break out of the prison house of sin right now in the power of the Lord, as they believe on Jesus Christ, work the miracle in their heart and make him your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Still to understand what God hath willed, what God hath planned. I only know at His right hand is one who is my Savior. I take Him at His word indeed. Christ died for sinners, this I read. For in my heart I find a need of him to be my Savior. That he should leave his place on high and come for sinful man to die. You count it strange, so once did I, before I knew my Savior. Yea, living, dying, let me bring my strength, my solace from this spring, that he who lives to be my king once died to be my savior. You've been tuned to the Gospel Tide Hour. You can write us at the Gospel Tide Hour, Post Office Box 151, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, 17201. We invite you to be listening again next week at this same time. Until then, may God richly bless you. For the wonderful grace of Jesus.